Well, hello, Bel Air family. It's a joy to be with you as we kick off a new year. Hello, 2023. And we kick off a new season, a new sermon series on shape. Shape. Getting into shape. Who's with me? Who's getting into shape? Hello, I've got my, um, my athleisure on right now. Thank you, Pastor Mike Morgan. <laughs> I can't actually run in these shoes, by the way. But we are focused on getting into shape in a spiritual sense. More than just our physical fitness goals. Some of us love to run 50 miles, not this person. No, we're focusing on getting in spiritual shape in this season and we're so excited about it. Now, we're concerned with the shape of our bodies, maybe some of us, but we really need to be concerned about the shape of our hearts and our souls and our gifts and our abilities. And so we're gonna be unpacking this SHAPE acronym. Some of you might be thinking, what does SHAPE stand for? So SHAPE, it's actually developed by Saddleback Pastors, Eric Reese and Rick Warren. The SHAPE acronym is this. The S stands for spiritual gifts. What gifts have you been given by the Spirit? And Drew unpacked those last week. And today we'll be looking at heart. Heart, what are the passions in you? What are you inclined or drawn towards? What, what makes you come alive? So that's the heart, the A, abilities. What abilities do you have? What are you good at? What can you do? P, personality. How is your personality shaped? Are you, I'll just leave that there. What kind of personality do you have? Someone's, I think Kim is unpacking that soon. E, experiences. Experiences, what life experiences do you have? So we'll be unpacking these in the weeks to come. And you heard from Drew on spiritual gifts last week. If you missed that, go back to our YouTube channel and check it out. But the H of shape is where we'll be planning ourselves today. And I'm so excited about this. The heart. The heart is what we get to explore today. As the body of Christ, each one of us brings a unique shape with certain gifts to the world that we live in. This also means that we bring a unique heart all of our hearts have a uniqueness about them. God has made it this way. A heart that reflects God's heart is the goal. A heart like God's. Let's go to God's word to learn more. I'll be reading from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. You can go there in your Bibles at home, or if you have a Bible app, go ahead and open that up. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. Listen to the reading of God's word. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he had answered them well, he asked them, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered. The first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and beside him, there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength 
and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared ask him any more questions. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. And as we say together every week, thanks be to God. Now, I love this story in Mark so much, and there's so many levels and layers to it that we could unpack for another sermon. But for the sake of our time together today, I want us to focus on a key word. Yes, you guessed it, heart, heart. We see the word heart here in this interaction with Jesus and the scribes. What comes to mind for you when you hear the word heart? Maybe you go right to the literal meaning of it, right? Some of you out there are like real literal, like just the heart, the heart and the chest. It's the thing that keeps the blood pumping. It's why I'm alive right now. It's what sustains me. That's my heart. Okay, so beyond the literal meaning of it, and maybe your heart is being a little faster these days, maybe when you think of heart, you think of love, you know, romantic love in particular. There's a lot of songs out there that have the word heart in them, right? I think of Madonna's Open Your Heart to Me, <sighs> right? It's a good one. Open your heart to me. Yeah, this is, this is on TV. Okay, you know what? Open your heart to me. There's all kinds of different songs. But what do, you, what do you think of when you think of heart? Maybe you think of Valentine's Day coming up, right? If you're a parent, you've got crafts probably gonna be flooding in your home soon. Maybe you're looking up recipes for how to make a, a heart-shaped pizza or cookies. We see hearts in windows. You know, it's kind of associated with this holiday of Valentine's Day, this romantic love kind of thing. And we hear, we hear heart in familiar phrases like this. Maybe you can add to this list. Listen to your heart, open your heart, take heart. And we understand what's implied when we hear it in phrases like this. My heart was just not into it. Or she didn't have the heart to tell him. Or when someone has a good heart. I've always said this about Mike. I've always said this about my husband. I'm like, ah, oh, I fell in love with his good heart. Do you know anybody with a good heart? Or we might say they have a heart of gold. Gosh, that person has a heart of gold. Or, you know, if someone's working really hard at something, we say they, they put a lot of heart into what they do. But we know what the implication is. We, we know what they mean, what we mean by these phrases. The point is that we use this word often in the English language, don't we? We use it to describe a range of experiences and feelings. The human heart is a deeply complicated subject. And the ancient writers of the Bible, well, they thought that too. They knew, they knew more than we did thousands of years ago. And I wanna take a few minutes, maybe more than a few minutes, to unpack a little bit more of what this word actually means, heart. So a little bit of a word study here. What does this involve as we talk about the heart? Because we tend to talk about it in shallow ways or ways that don't feel fully complete to the picture of what the writers of the Hebrew Bible were talking about. So the Hebrew word 
for heart is lavav. Can you say that at home? Lavav. Lavav. And often it's simply abbreviated as lev. Lev. Heart. And as Jesus partially quoted in the text that we just read, in the Shema, the prayer that was actually recited twice every day for thousands of years by the Israelites, and still today, we read it in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And one of those key words that's extremely important for our conversation today is that word heart. Heart, how do you love God with all your heart? Now, thousands of years ago, again, the writers of the Hebrew Bible, they had some ideas about the physical body. You know, in the ancient world, there were some medical practices. People were discovering how the body worked, what it involved. So they knew that the heart was an organ in the chest, that it sustained life. It was responsible for keeping the body alive, for blood pumping throughout the body. And yet they also talked about the heart in ways that were much deeper, much, much farther beyond just this functional, biological need of the heart. They didn't have a concept of the brain back then, right? There wasn't, they didn't have this understanding of like, oh gosh, our mental, uh, you know, function happens up here. So they actually thought that your mental and your, your thinking, your thought life resonated in the center of your heart, That's where humans' intellectual activity took place. Now, for example, in scripture, we see several, several examples of this. You know, you know in your heart. In 1 Kings 2, 44. Does that resonate with some of you? You hear that, you're like, I just knew, I knew in my heart that it was right. Or I knew it was wrong. And you you point here. I do that a lot. You understand in your heart. Proverbs talks a lot about this. You understand in your heart, Proverbs 2.2. And wisdom dwells in your heart. That's where it lives. That's where it dwells. Wisdom, it's in your heart, Proverbs 2.10. And your heart is what can discern between truth and error. We see this in the story of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, many of you might be familiar with this story. King Solomon is sitting on his throne and two mothers come to him with one baby. And they're fighting over whose baby it is. One says, that's my baby. The other says, no, that's my baby. And they want King Sol- Solomon to solve the problem. And he says, well, why don't we just divide the baby in half? Then you can, both can have a piece. It's kind of an obscure and strange story. But this way he knew who the real mother was. Because the real mother said, no, 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 it's not, it's not mine, it's not mine, it's hers, it's hers, and gave it to the other, the other mother. So Solomon discerned truth and error by the heart in this story of the two mothers. And the heart is also where we feel pain, isn't it? It's where we feel things deeply. We feel distress here. We feel sadness 
we feel depressed. And again, we, all, we have a lot of evidence for this in scripture of the heart being sad. And actually, did you know the term brokenhearted or heartbroken, it actually originates from the original ancient Hebrew. Brokenhearted. Have you ever been brokenhearted? You, you know how that feels. That feeling of the heart being ripped in two we can feel things deeply here and we can feel joy. We can be filled with joy in our hearts. In Hebrew, it also, they describe the happiness of a heart as being good of heart. When someone is happy, they're good of heart or they have the heart of joy. So according to the writers of the Bible, the heart is this complex, and we know it, don't we? this complex, multi-layered, multifunctional part of who we are as human beings. The heart then is where, yes, life is sustained, where we think deeply, where we feel deeply, but it's also more than that. The heart, according to scripture, is where we find our desires, where we find the desires that lead the way for the choices that we make. We see a lot of examples in this in, in scripture, but for example, we see this in 1 Kings chapter eight. David had it in his heart, the text says, in his heart to build a temple for God. And in 2 Samuel 7, three, Nathan tells David, whatever is in your heart, whatever is in your heart, go and do it. Can you imagine God saying that to you? God saying this to you, whatever's in your heart, go and do it. What is in your heart these days? Now we know that yes, desires lie in the heart and that some of these are good and some of these are not so good. In Jeremiah 17, nine, we read this very familiar text the prophet Jeremiah says, the heart of a human is deceitful above all, irreversibly sick. Who can even understand it? How many of you have heard this used lately? <laughs> right, the heart is deceitful. How can you trust it? Ugh. But do we understand what's going on here in this story that would make the prophet Jeremiah say this? What's happening here? These are strong words from the prophet. He had witnessed a whole generation turned their backs on God in very destructive and evil ways. So much so they even thought at one point that sacrificing their children would somehow make things go better for them in their life. There was a lot of evil in the hearts of the people. And Jeremiah was like, this is hopeless. In Deuteronomy 36, Moses says to the people, the Lord, your God, will circumcise your heart and, your, and the heart of your descendants so that you will love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul in order that you may live. Kind of an interesting metaphor to use here, Moses. The circumcision of the heart a new covenant, a cleaning, a purifying of the heart. Some prophets did have hope for this generation. They did have hope for the Israelites, but they believed it was strongly connected to the renewal 
of the heart. New things had to take place in the heart. They had to turn back to God. David cries out to God, create in me a clean heart after committing murder and adultery. He's pleading with God, begging God, please cleanse me, purify me. I'm longing to be made right in the heart with you. And in Proverbs 4.23, we're warned, guard your heart because from it flows your whole life. From your heart flows your life, the entirety of it. So guard it. What are you allowing to influence or to come in or to harden your heart? Guard it. Jeremiah later writes, for the hope that God would write the commands of the Torah on the hearts of the people, to write his word, his promises on their hearts, that they would internalize God's word to the very center of their being, which finally leads us back full circle to the Shema. Twice, every day, every day, this prayer was prayed. Every day they prayed to devote to God, their full selves, the whole self to God. This is what it meant to love God with all your heart. As we can see, unpacking this biblical word, doing a little word study on this, we see it's really complicated. It's much more complex than we maybe originally thought but it's really important for us. It captures the essence, the essence of who we are as human beings created in the image of God. Humans flowing with thoughts and feelings and desires and choices. Now, as people created in the image of God, the Imago Dei image bearers of the Most High God, our hearts are to reflect the heart of God. Our hearts are to emulate or to be shaped like the heart of the divine. When you think about the heart of God, what comes to mind for you? It's a big question. What comes to mind when you think about Hmm, how would I describe the heart of God? What's the first thing that comes to mind for you? I asked somebody this recently and they said, salvation. Salvation, Salva God's heart is for salvation. And I said, it is indeed. And I think many of us, we can be so focused on salvation in terms of the eternal work of salvation, which is so important, but we miss out on the salvation here and now, life on earth. So the word for salvation or saving work of God is sozo. That is a saving work, not just meant for eternity when we have died, but a saving work here and now on this planet. How is God saving us and saving the world in and through us? I believe that God uses our hearts to sozo, to save, 
the world. Consistently, repeatedly, over and over again, the writers of the Hebrew Bible refer to God like this, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And I love this. The word love here actually refers to faithful love. Faithful love. Not fickle love. Not conditional love. Not love if you measure up or if you show up or if you look the part. Faithful love loyal love, steadfast love. That describes the heart of God. And Jesus's life, Jesus's ministry totally encapsulates this. Jesus's life was the demonstration of this compassion and grace and mercy and steadfast love and faithfulness over and over again. In Matthew 20, we read, In verse 30, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus had compassion on them and healed them, touched them, restored them, and they could see. They were made whole. They left what they had and they followed him. This story is just one, just one example of so many stories, one after another in the gospels of Jesus showing compassion and mercy and grace and love and faithfulness to those that he encountered. Jesus was always moving towards those on the margins, always moving out towards those who were outcast, those who were hurting, those who were in need of healing and mercy. Jesus saw them, touched them, saved them. Christ's passion was loving people, loving people. What moves your heart like this? What moves your heart like Jesus's heart? When you think about passion, what comes to mind? And I think for for many of us, the last few years, we have just felt like we're surviving. (laughs) We're just getting through. It feels like a luxury to even think about this question again, but I want to give you permission to ask yourself this. It's time 
What makes you come alive? What are you passionate about? Now, I don't mean like you're passionate about Comic-Con or the Renaissance Fair or Taco Tuesday and puppies, because that is me, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. What is the deeper fire in your heart for this world? Because God has given you that. And I even think the word passion, it it kind of gets used and abused and it almost can feel like it's falling on deaf ears sometimes. So I want us to rephrase this. Instead of saying like, what's the passion of your heart? I want to say, what's the compassion of your heart? What drives you towards the hurts and longings of other people? What is that compassion in your heart? Because your heart refers to something that God has given you an empathy, a draw to a particular group of people or even a certain type of service. And listening to your heart, paying attention to what naturally moves you is so important. It can help you determine what is the best area for you to serve in, to show God's love in, to reveal God's glory to a world that is weary and needs it desperately. Your path and your purpose are joined together by the compassion in your heart. Now for me, so I, you know me, I love hearts. I love heart talk. <laughs> My heart is for your heart. Your heart is what makes me come alive. Thinking about your heart is what draws me in. I love helping people discover how deeply loved they are by God. I love seeing just the freedom and the healing and the hope light up in people's faces when they realize God loves them unconditionally, unwaveringly, eternally, and they can do nothing to dissuade that. They can do nothing to lose that love or to diminish that love, that God will love them relentlessly. That is what makes me come alive. That is what draws me and enlivens me. Author and theologian Howard Thurman, he writes this, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go and do it. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. That's what the world needs, Thurman says. Can you imagine if more people were out here living and doing in ways that enlivened them? When we do things from the heart and the ways that God has uniquely shaped us, this brings us a deep sense of joy and fulfillment doesn't it? You know, when you do something that you, you really love, it is deeply fulfilling and it benefits your family, your neighbors, and the world. That's what the world needs. And now I want us to pause for a moment as we are thinking about this. And maybe you know, maybe some of you are like, gosh, I know what this is for me. I know 
what I, I feel moved by. I know what I'm drawn towards. I know what like sets my heart on fire. But some of you just, we might need to ask a few questions. So maybe you're on a walk, maybe you're watching this at home, but if you can take a mental note or write it down, I'm gonna ask you several questions and I want you to think about these. And maybe think about them in two ways. One, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And the other way, a little deeper, listen to the whispers of your heart. What drives you? What drives you? Is God driving you? Or is it other people or other things that are driving you? What do your dreams and desires drift towards? Where do they tend to just naturally go? What is it that motivates you to take action with something? What gets you like fired up to like go and, and, and do something about it? What motivates you? What do you really wanna do for God? What do you really wanna do? What do you crave? Often the answers to these questions they appear in different times of our lives. And I honestly believe that it's not when we're scrolling on our phones. And, you know, even like standing in line, we can't even be idle anymore. You know, like we're always on our phones. But what if you just gave yourself a minute to think about this, to let your mind kind of wonder? Sometimes this happens in the middle of the night. I know for me it does, or in the wee hours of the morning, you know, that, that kind of state between being awake and asleep. And you, you have these longings, these prayers that come to mind in your heart, these whispers of the heart. Often those are the desires deep in your heart. Listen to those. What do you care about? What do you care about most profoundly? And how could you influence the world for God? And here's some more specific questions. What age range do you feel led to minister to? Maybe there's an affinity group that you feel led to serve. What is it? How could you impact them in a way that would maximize your gifts? I know some of you who love an Excel spreadsheet, you know who you are, Mary Beth Trinkle, had to give you a shout out. You love doing Excel spreadsheets. This is literally a passion of yours. You love organizing things and the world needs you. So thank you. What is your gift? What is your desire here to serve? What affinity group? What age range? What needs will you meet? Is there spiritual or physical, relational, emotional, educational, or even vocational needs that you feel drawn to meet? What are the top two needs that you love meeting? Are there top two? Could you narrow it down? Are there two needs you really love meeting? Are you hospitable? Do you love meeting the needs of people who are just hungry? Like, let me feed you. Maybe you love doing that. We need hospitable people in this world. What lessons have you learned that you can pass along? What lessons? What have you learned? Now, what causes, what cause will you help conquer? What cause or issue makes your heart race? Like you're just like, whoa, you get fired up about a cause. How could you make the greatest impact for God? I have a dear friend, her name is Regan Williams, and she started an organization just a few years ago. She had been involved in uh, helping with the foster care system and 
She had witnessed a lot of things along the way, a lot of good things, a lot of hard things too. And she decided that she was going to start seeing and heard because she saw this, this vast need for kids who were kind of aging out of the foster care system, you know, late teens, early adults. You know, they seem to be a little more neglected of a group. You know, they're not as cute, she told me. <laughs> they're not as cute for people. Some of their habits are a little disruptive. And so people kind of tend to shy away from this age range. And she just was like, no, I love this group. I am enlivened when I think about them. I want to help them. I have compassion for them. I want to focus on this demographic, these kids that are in and just coming out of foster care because they need love. They need healing. They need to be taught basic things like interpersonal skills. And I want to come alongside them and pour into them. She was moved with compassion. And so she did something about it. What dream do you have? What dream do you wish to fulfill for God? Ask yourself what pursuit would release the passion and the compassion for God in my life? What God-centered dream can you identify that has been buried by life? Like we said, I know it's been hard the last couple of years, responsibilities, illness, all kinds of stuff. This thought might even feel so buried for you and I want you to unearth it. What might God be stirring in you in this season? And is it time to say yes? Somebody said once that when our gifts and our passions come together, it's like spiritual rocket fuel. What would that be for you? And lastly, here's my question for you. Well, you have the courage to step out. We have the courage to listen to your heart. The whispers, those prayers in those still moments. Well, you have the courage to listen to what is really going on and to do something. To step out and to step in to what God might be asking you to do. Will you let your compassion your compassion takes shape. Friends, in this season, in this season, it's more than a series. It's a season of developing our shape, knowing our shape, discovering our shape. We wanna help you. We wanna help you find out what it is that you are gifted in, where your heart is at, what abilities you have, learn a little more about your personality, explore your experiences and how those things together can really make you a force for glorifying God on this earth. So you can go to belair.org shape, and you can sign up for a free assessment. This assessment is gonna, you're gonna answer some questions and it's gonna help pull together your shape. You're gonna learn and discover and know a little bit more about how you can be used. What excites you? What draws you? And how can God use those things? for the work of the church. We're hoping to be aligned together in this work. Check it out today, belair.org forward slash shape. In the words of poet Mary Oliver, tell me what it is you plan to do with your one precious life. Tell me what it is you plan to do 
with your one precious life. In my own words, tell me what moves your heart. Tell me what makes you come alive. Tell me what burns with compassion for you. And will you go? Will you step out? Will you be faithful? And will you do it? Because the world needs more people who have come alive. Let's pray. Holy God, we ask you to keep fanning in that flame in us. God, for many of us, we have felt weary. We have been buried. These last few years have been hard and we are just coming to the surface again. God, I pray that you would unearth these passions in us. Would you help us to discover, to see, to say yes to where you are leading. God, in the whispers of our hearts as we pray, we pray our longings, we pray our hopes, we pray our dreams. God, would you instill in us courage, a courage that just sets the world on fire for your glory. God, would we be filled with compassion like you are and mercy and grace and steadfast love. And the, would the world know that we're your disciples by our love? God, we love you. We thank you for shaping us in a way that could change the world. It's in your holy name we pray, amen.